You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hi, I'm Ralph Powell, co founder and CEO of Real Vision. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Vision podcast. At Real Vision, we pride ourselves on providing the best in-depth expert analysis available to help you understand the complex world of finance, business, and the global economy. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll accept my invitation to try Real Vision Plus for 30 days for just $1. Visit realvisionpodcast.com today and join us as we navigate the financial world together. Cheers. Rising trade tensions means that your diamonds are going to become a little bit more clear. Let's find out why. Welcome to the Knock On Effect. This is where we start with the thing you know and end up in a weird place. I'm Justine Underhill. I'm Alex Rosenberg. And today we're going to take you through trade tensions and Chinese tariffs all the way to diamonds and their clarity. Um, And of course, we usually have Alex guessing, but for the podcast version, we will not guess. We will just take you on this journey. So the first part starts with uh, the White House last week up the ante in the trade wars with China. Yeah. Uh, basically threatening to impose an additional $200 billion in tariffs on things like catfish and golf bags and pumice and piston engines and all the weird things that you can imagine. Well, how am I going to clean my feet after having a delicious fried fried po' boy? Cat, oh, cat is that catfish? Oh, okay, yes. Yeah. My Wednesday night plans are destroyed. <laughs> this is really bad for those of you who use, and you know, you can't go golfing afterwards because your golf bags will be more expensive. Well, I, I carry my clubs over my head. Anyway. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So it paints a pretty good picture. Well, anyway, so China's threatened to retaliate dollar for dollar, basically becoming a trade tit for tat. Mm-hmm. Um, but. What I want to focus on here is that China has actually other ways to retaliate. So they could say, oh, we, we're going to impose all these tariffs on your products, but there are more creative strategies here. And so other creative ways to do it would be to weaken the yuan. So if they wanted to weaken their currency and, and change the price of, of their exports, um, if they wanted to, they could sell off U.S. treasuries. They hold a lot of U.S. Yeah. debt. That's certainly something that they could use as leverage. They could also just refuse contracts with American companies or not buy products from American companies like Boeing. That could really hurt um, industry. Mm-hmm. Or they could um, intensify regulation. But my favorite one is that they could start to mess around with the supply chain. There's so much that's concentrated in China in terms of the U.S. relying on China for certain products um, that that's, that's a huge aspect of it. And so this is actually where we start to get into the, the first knock-on effect. So China is the major supplier of many obscure yet vital devices and materials for the high-tech sector, and that's rare earth metals. Yeah, it's sort of the velvet underground of elements yeah the obscure the, band yet yet vital oh, to our musical. i see yes actually that's a very good analogy thank you uh so china produced uh more than 80 percent of the world's rare earth metals and and compounds last year and they supplied 78 percent 
of U.S. imports. So 78% of what the U.S. imports for rare earth metals comes from China. And actually, I do think it is worth, we can back up a little bit and explain what rare earths are. Yeah. Because, you know, this That's is, something that I know is important, but like, yeah, kind of like always what, forget what, what exactly it is. is a rare earth. Well, um, you can find them on the periodic table of elements. There are 17 of them. And it's funny that they're called rare earth because they're not actually that rare. They're all over the world. Um, you can find them pretty much everywhere. Um, but actually um, extracting the materials is very, very costly. And so that's where a lot of the issue comes from. Um, but it is it is hard to go for a long time without using rare earths. You'll have them in your hair dryers or your electronics. Um, so we have a few things here. I have a few props. Okay. Um, we have, it's in your iPhone. Mm -hmm. So your iPhone is polished with um, these elements. They extend the phone's battery life. They're in the phone circuitry. Um, so Apple would certainly be affected. Mm -hmm. um, LEDs. So a company like Cree would be affected here too because um, all LEDs contain, so especially the blue, green, and red that shines through the LCD screen is only made possible with rare earth. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we have magnets. We actually had some. Um, They're really powerful on the set for the for the video version, which, by the way, you can watch at realvision.com slash knock on effect. Um, they, yeah, they're, they're very powerful magnets that, that, that I, I almost kind of like snapped my finger a little bit. And, and then I, like, we ended up breaking the magnet by accident by... Uh, they're very delicate, but very strong magnets. Um, yes. And they're impossible to separate. Yeah, as, as strong as you are, Alex. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I was having trouble. Even, even I. <laughs> the mighty Alex. Yeah. So that's used, actually, it's funny that I didn't want that anywhere near my electronics, but the, these magnets are actually used quite a bit in electronics. Mm -hmm. um, they're used in wind turbines, especially, um, to help improve the reliability of offshore wind power generators. Um, so GE would be affected there. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, disk drives use these, all, these magnets as well. Um, and that controls the movements of the read-write heads. 16% um, of the world's rare earth magnets are used in hard disk drives. Um, so that would absolutely be affected. Companies there would be Western Digital, Seagate. And so a lot of companies are very much reliant on rare earth elements. Yeah, it's like one of those things you don't really, uh, you, you don't really think about, but if it's, it's almost like salt. Like if you don't really think about, you know, how salty a dish is normally. Mm -hmm. But if you don't add salt, it's like the thing, whole thing doesn't work. My analogy was going to be thumbs. You don't realize how much you use your thumbs every day. I don't. Do you? Uh, your thumbs are very essential. Try not using your thumbs for a day and see how difficult life is. <laughs> anyway, just like rare earth metals. It's a fun, fun homework assignment yeah, for, the, fun. for the pod listeners. <laughs> yeah, right. Try it out. Let us know how it goes. Continue to wash those dishes, but thumbless. <laughs> oh, well, just even using a remote, using your phone. You don't you don't realize how, how key well, it is. That, hey, wait, thumbs are what what you know distinguishes human beings from the the rest of the world. Yeah, that they're opposable. Yeah, like a cat's thumbs, which is like halfway up its arm. Yeah, that's always, that that's always weirded me out. Well, anyway, so yeah, try it out. Let us know how it goes. Yeah, uh, but anyway, the the key point that I want to reinforce here, getting back to China and their control over it, is that thumbs. Meanwhile, I <laughs> I was playing poker and there was a dealer who his four of his fingers um like kind of stopped at the at the knuckle but he had, a, he had a he had a full thumb and he was able to pretty much do everything you could do with the hand like he was a, a pill hooker dealer like shuffling the cards gathering the chips like doing all the things Did and you ask did, him how he 
It didn't come up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that makes it seem like there's like bad poker debts. Could be. That's very Could scary. Be. That would that would have scared me out of the casino. But without the thumb. Oh, it wouldn't have been possible. No. Thanks for that tidbit. You're anyway, welcome. moving back to the knock-on effects. Right, right, right. So the whole point of this is that China has actually used its near monopoly on rare earth metals to uh, basically leverage or or get its way before. Hmm. So in 2010, uh, China, well, let, let me back up. In 2010, there was a collision between a Chinese fishing boat and two Japanese Coast Guard vessels in the East China Sea. Japan detained the captain of these the, the Chinese fishing boat and China responded by stopping all shipments of rare earth uh, metals to Japan. Mm. And guess what? Rare earth elements spiked that year. Um, we it's it's a pretty drastic increase. It's more than more than tripled um, in price. And so Japan was in a really really tough spot at that point. Um, and so this is something that um, has concerned a lot of countries, uh, just in terms of you know will will China yield its its leverage or, or try to you know use its power in this one specific area and there's actually i have a quote here so there's only one place outside of china where rare earth metal refining is done on a large scale and that's by this one company in malaysia mm -hmm. and the new york times interviewed the ceo and what she said this is her name is miss uh Lacaze. She said that if there is a full-blown trade war, I can't believe that China, the Chinese wouldn't use rare earths as part of that. They could do it literally overnight. I mean, that that being said, if I was the only company outside of China that did rare earth metals or did anything, oh, I would be best friends with the Chinese. Oh. I, w I wouldn't like give quotes to the New York Times like, oh, yeah, the Chinese, they think they know all this stuff. Like, I, I mean, I'd be, you know, a little fearful uh, for my, you know, uh, life. Oh, right. Uh, she actually said that she doesn't want China to, you know, use rare earths as um, part of its negotiation or part of its leverage because when it happened, the, the price of uh, rare earths has been so volatile. And so that's actually really, really bad for her business. Hmm. Um, even though companies are and, and places are trying to use her more as a way to get around uh, using China, um, basically what happened in 2010 when the price of these metals spiked, uh, a lot of companies tried to find ways not to use China. So this already happened. And um, her business ended up going down in subsequent years. Because let's say Tesla ended up trying to f find a find their a, own rare earths. Well, no, to try to find ways to not use as much rare earths oh, in I their see. products. Now, I will say it does make the cars not as fast or as efficient. Um, so right now there is a strong drive to use uh, rare earths, but um, it is possible to you know go get around by using a little bit less. Hmm. So anyway, so. I think I hope that I've convinced you that that fears of yeah. uh, Chinese trade retaliation would trigger uh, rare earth supply concerns. That's absolutely something mm -hmm. that's going mm -hmm. on. I'm, I buy it. Okay, you buy it. Okay, and we already went into exactly what uh, is going what, on. What are the just for for those playing along at home? Like, what are some of these uh, metals called? Yeah. Okay. What do they look like? Well, so I, I actually they it's it's worth looking them up because they almost look. Um, 
medieval. I don't know how to describe them. Some some are like really spiky and mm. and um, a little scary looking. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention I I'm gonna try not to butcher the names. So you'll have to forgive me. Um, but uh, neodymium is oftentimes used in magnets. Okay. Um, that's that's what we would see in the the wind turbines. Um, things like thanum and cerium are used to polish the iPhone screens that I mentioned. Okay. Um, oh, I hope I don't mess this one name up either. Yttrium is okay. another fun one. That was actually used, these, these things are used in ceramics. I mean, it, there's so many uses for, for rare earths but, but in, in, in coloring and, as well. And, and actually, actually, I just mm, want to make a quick yeah. point that the newest blue that was made, uh, so they cr created a new blue, I believe, within the last uh, few years, and that was made using yttrium. Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> what, what, how do you create a new new blue? You can you can make new colors. I mean, they make there are people that are constantly working on new colors, and so this is a much richer, um, more. Uh, oh, I don't know how to describe it. It's it's just a much uh, deeper, richer blue. I saw that color that was like the blackest black, like beyond black kind of oh. color. You remember? You ever see that? It looks like you're looking into a black hole. It's crazy. Oh, that I don't know. But, uh, but uh, there are science. There, scientists have been trying to find um, a better way to make red. There isn't actually a very uh, easy process for making red right now. Huh. And so they were hoping that this discovery of this new blue, um, Crayola actually made it into a crayon. It's called really? it's called Blue Tiefel. <laughs> they, oh. had a, they had a naming, oh, they had a naming competition. Oh, Sounds like one of the puns I would say. Yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, these things are used in a lot. It's just so many random places um let me see if i have another one. Oh, um lanthanum that extends the iphone's battery life it's also used in the the circuitry of of the iphone and, and a lot of circuitry um but i would actually so there there are a few that are just very um common and actually um i'll mention some more because there has been a, a recent discovery this year of years and years um it was called almost an unlimited or a semi-infinite uh supply of rare earth metals okay. huge discovery this is um in japanese waters um about a thousand miles away from tokyo but still within um japanese territory uh researchers researchers found hundreds of years worth of rare earth materials um so the seabed there contains uh, more than 16 million tons of rare earth oxides. So uh, the equivalent of 780 years worth of yttrium, which I just mentioned, mm -hmm. 620 years worth of europium, oh. and 730 years of oh, 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 dysprosium. If, uh, you guys, if any of you guys are, are um, knowledgeable about how to pronounce these names, I would... We're sorry. Yeah, we are sorry. <laughs> so, so, so just to, to track where we're going, because we're... we're midway or, or more than midway from trade tensions to clearer diamonds and the path that we've beaten is from uh you know u.s doing something on trade china um pushing back one potential way they could push back either specifically you know for this u.s trade tension or, or just in general um as a way to flex its its muscle would mm -hmm. be to mess with the global supply chain by restricting the flow of rare earth uh, metals, um, and so other countries are going thinking about ways to to uh, find their own. And so we're now at the point in the story where Japan has just discovered 
I feel like this is like coming back from a commercial break. Japan has just discovered this treasure trove. Treasure trove of Chateau Yukam or whatever the it's called. What is that? I don't know. That's a wine, but I don't think that's what it actually is called. Treasure trove of all these uh, Eritrium. Eritrium, yes, and. I'm not even going to bother with the other names. Um, so Japan is really pushing ahead with research and development um, to try to extract this, these rare earths that they've now found a huge amount of. Um, now, I, I do want to make it clear that rare earths are very, very difficult to uh, refine and turn into the products that you want because it's they're pretty well distributed across the globe. Um, and to, let's say go 4,000 meters under the water to try to get some of these elements is just not easy. And especially mm. that gets into environmental concerns. You know, how does that impact uh, the seafloor, the ocean floor, uh, and all sorts of other yeah. things. Um, but, you know... <laughs> Negatively, <laughs> I would guess. Uh, yes, I would. Not, I would not positively. I, I would imagine. And, and so that's where it's sort of like the whole idea of deep sea mining was such <laughs> fantasy. I mean, we think of... Uh, Jules Verne's uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah, well, of course, Jules Verne, his works have all been things that have, like we've since done. Whereas, uh, on the other hand, H.G. Wells, like it's like we're, we're not there yet. So, huh. so 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is Jules Verne. Um, From the Earth to the Moon, he wrote in like the 1860s. Uh, Around the World in 80 Days about, you know, being in an air balloon and like all these things. Have we done that? Ah, close enough. Ish. But H.G. Wells, you're... H.G. Wells is your, you know, Island of Dr. Moreau. It's... Uh, time Machine. The, right. The, the Time Machine, which we haven't exactly done yet. The Invisible <laughs> Man. Um, oh, yeah. Isn't that kind of interesting? So, like... So, you're you're calling H.G. Wells a... Uh... Either he's way ahead of his time, or he was, like, writing fantasy, and, like, Jules Verne was, like, more science fiction. Okay. Uh, is this relevant? Yeah, sure. Great. Anyway, so now we... By the way, if anyone hasn't read The Island of Dr. Moreau out there, yeah, that's a really good one. Okay, I I actually haven't... It's good, short. I haven't read it, but um, I don't like scary things, so we'll see. Anyway, getting back to the matter at hand, Mm -hmm. uh, deep sea mining is actually now becoming a viable reality, or at least an economic one, because it wasn't really profitable to go mining under the sea, but... Um, now a lot of potential mining sites are being tested. So there are different methods for mining the ocean floor. One is to send uh, like an unmanned rover on the the ocean floor. Mm -hmm. It'll pick up or scoop up materials, bring it to the surface, and then that's sorted through on land. Uh, The other way is that um, some have like rovers down at the bottom and then they basically have this little, I don't know, straw or conveyor belt or something to suck it up. Um, You're not going to really... Uh, sort through things on the bottom of the ocean floor. So a lot of it is just basically scooping things up and finding a way to bring it to the surface. So, so we're not like sending dudes down there with like hard hats and no, no, it's not. Yeah, that would be very interesting. It's not. It's not like literally taking miners. It's more on the unmanned side. Good. Yeah. No, that that would not. That would be the least fun job having to go to work. I don't know, man. Like the commute sucks, but but the job itself would probably be pretty cool. Yeah, you get to see a lot of uh, gold, so that's another big thing at the bottom of the ocean. Oh, is... Well, how about those crazy fish, like the, the fish with like the the light hanging oh, from the right, head? Right. Like, oh, stuff and, at the bottom of the ocean is like that's. And and this is what that that's part of the big environmental concern is that these creatures' habitats have never really been upset or disrupted quite like this. <laughs> I, I let's put an end to that. How have they escaped the wrath of humans? Yeah, yeah, right. We have to find a way to to get them too. Anyway, so so this. Um, uh, is is a big like 
almost you can call it a, a gold rush in some ways because mm. there's so much potential there and so many companies and countries. So this is not just like but private hold, companies hold, that are looking into this. It's entire countries that has become a national matter to try to find ways specifically for rare earths. Right, because because of the concern about what China could do and, and yeah. China having too much power on the market. But I'm, okay, but you said they're not rare. So wh- why are we going to the bottom of the sea to find them? So to find deposits that I are- mean, it's, it's it's like you know I I, I won't go to what's a good example? Like if I want to go on a hike, I'll take a train for two hours. But you know, if I want to get a bagel, I'm not going to go out to Connecticut. Okay. Right? Because because bagels are less rare. Oh. Sure, that is such a convoluted uh, analogy. <laughs> no, that didn't but, simplify matters. Yeah, that, that, that complicated matters. Uh, what it comes down to is the fact that while rare earths are scattered throughout the world and they're not that rare, finding collected or large deposits of them is, you know, so it's like I could... So you can find one piece of eurytrium, yeah. you know, just walking along the street, but you're not going to find enough to... To actually do anything with gotcha. it. And so that's why finding these large deposits of it is is so exciting in some ways mm-hmm. um, but then you have to be able to refine it and that takes many years to to build up the ability to do that and again there's like a lot of waste that's created um, radioactive waste Ooh. so it's it's a pretty nasty business um, but it has become a priority for a lot of countries to do and so deep sea mining technology as that advances because countries are pushing forward with this and trying to find ways to get these rare earth metals that's going to improve business for a lot of other companies that um and a lot of other things that are on the bottom of the ocean floor mm-hmm. like diamonds right like gold like cobalt like um a lot of other metals that are actually very much needed um but are a little bit more difficult to extract um, if you're going to go f- to the ocean floor to do it. Um, and so it's almost like a, a side effect of putting in all this investment in mining technology. That's going to help other industries that are looking to do the same thing. Right. It's like, hey, you know, I, you, you're, you're going to pick up the paper while you're out. Can you grab me a cup of coffee? Okay, that's a better analogy. Thank Your you. analogy is getting better. Improved. Yes. Yeah. You're going up to Connecticut. Might as well bring me back a bagel. That's what I always uh, say. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. So, so, the, so there are. Diamonds on the on the floor of the yes, actually the, there are yeah. billions of dollars of opportunity <laughs> well, sitting on the ocean well, floor. Well, not if they're all over the place, then the diamond price will crash. Yeah, right, exactly. So you, there there aren't, you know, it's not it's not going to disrupt the. It's diamond like what happened market. to gold prices around the eighteen um, nineties when they developed the technology to there was an Australian technology to mine gold super effectively, mm. and so then the supply of gold just went. Well, uh, that's kind of like uh, what happened with fracking. Yeah. Yeah. So a yeah. so, similar sort of thing. Well, so maybe that's something to watch out for is disruptions in the diamond market. Although, don't, don't propose to your girlfriends just just yet, ladies wait, and gentlemen. Wait, wait, wait for bit. the plethora of undersea diamonds to... Uh, well, I, I will make a mention that De Beers still is getting in on this. And so, uh, the, so, fact the, that so they, the prices aren't going to move. Yeah. So, so they own like 113% of the market. Just right. So, so there's, there's, there's no hope of uh, getting a... Cheap diamond anytime soon. I don't love the beers. No, and that's actually a whole interesting story on its own. We can yeah. get into knock-on effects there Seriously. as well. But anyway, so there are billions of dollars worth of diamonds on the ocean floor. Uh, last year, mining companies extracted six hundred million dollars worth of diamonds off the Namibian coast, uh, basically sucking them up like what a, coast? The Namibian. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Let's see if you can do it. Namibian. <laughs> okay. Say that ten times fast. Sucking them up, so they actually suck them up in like uh, giant vacuum-like hoses, 
uh, to get the diamonds to the surface. Um, so, so we are. I didn't know this. We are at the present in the present day are harvesting deep sea diamonds. Yes. Um, and actually, guess what? We were mentioned the beers. The beers uh, actually has a pretty good hold on this market. Um, so they actually purchased mining rights to more than 3,000 square miles off the Namibian coast. Yeah, don't laugh at that. I said it right. In, in 1991. So they, they were thinking that far ahead. In 1991, they purchased all this um, basically land off the coast. Um, and so far, they've only explored 3% of the area. So they actually have quite a ways to go. And as mining becomes more economical, um, as it becomes more easier to do with more advanced technology, uh, this will certainly take off. And yeah. a key thing here, so this is the final knock-on effect, underwater diamonds are among the world's most valuable. So they actually have far greater clarity than diamonds that are mined on land. And so that is why you know, all these tensions over trade and we'll concerns about China. We'll diamonds make... clearer. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know if you mentioned this, but so the same technologies that are being used and they're being developed and created mm -hmm. by the Japans of the world to mine these rare earth metals are could be useful for diamonds. So, yeah. so that's why it, it will become more economical. Right. So it's, it's all about getting to the bottom of the ocean floor and extracting materials. So it's all about finding the most efficient way to do that. So mm -hmm. that's, that's really what it comes down to. And it's also finding the right locations to do the mining. I wish we wouldn't. Yeah? You don't, don't, don't want to explore the I ocean floor? I wish we wouldn't. I mean, do we really need more diamonds? Do we really need... I You know, it, it's nice that my iPhone lasts like six hours instead of five hours, but like... We really need to like destroy a whole entire new ecosystem, like to to make our electronics like slightly more productive. That's the Homo sapien way, <laughs> right? And so it's sort of like to to what end? Especially I'm such a hippie. Well, but it is kind of there is a hypocrisy here because electric vehicles are a, a big uh, user of these rare earth metals. And guess what? If you're destroying the ocean floor to try to get a better electric vehicle you're not actually doing that much for the environment. So it's sort of at the end of the day, where where's the materials? Where are they coming from? Well, maybe instead of these big sucking straws, uh, you know, Tesla can just use those uh, those successful submarines that, that were used to uh, save the Thai oh, children. Oh, and apply that to the rare earth. Yeah, wh wh why not? I mean, Musk says he can save those Thai children and take a take a submarine to the moon. You, you can you can tweet at him see if he uh, oh my god responds to that uh, and so this is sort of um, you know companies are looking for ways to recycle rare earth metals there are other um, ways to go about maybe becoming a little bit more conservative over use but it is likely that uh, the ocean is going to be the next frontier like it or not. Oof. So sort of a little bit of a bleak note to end on, um, but I do want to, you know, take a, a step back here and and talk a little bit about, you know, why why countries and companies are going to such lengths um, to get around China, and it's because China over the past few decades has really become dominant in a lot of markets. Um, they've become almost monopoly or monopolistic um, in certain markets, uh, whether it's the vitamin market. Vitamin C. Yeah, vitamin C. What else do we know? I mean, there's there's so many different markets where China has almost a, a stranglehold. Yeah. Um, and so it's sort of like the world is waking up to this and saying, oh, we actually need to find a way to um, 
get out of this or we need to find a way to be a little bit more self-sufficient. It's funny because you look at um, all this narrative of U.S. needs to become oil um, independent. Mm -hmm. And while we were focused on the Middle East, it's sort of like China was now creeping into the picture and nobody was paying attention to that. Right. And so then it's sort of like... Well, because it's much more subtle because oil is much more tangible. It's like the key ingredient, whereas the thing is that China, you know, like... uh, So ascorbic acid is something we'll maybe talk about in a future episode, but... You know, ascorbic acid, rare earth metals, a lot of these things are very important, but not, you know, not the key ingredient, not something that it's, it's something that's a little more hard to think about, which, which right. uh, who knows, maybe that's a, a purposeful strategy on China's part to find important markets that people won't notice they're monopolizing until it's too late. Right. And and this is actually a very slow process. So um, the Government Accountability Office actually warned um, in a report that, quote, rebuilding a U.S. rare earth supply chain will take up to 15 years. Um, and so that's it's a very slow process. Yeah, but well, a lot of countries and companies are jumping on that right now and making it a, a, actually a priority. Um, and that's actually something that the White House uh, said was a, a key priority, too. So this is something that's very much top of mind right now. Anyway, wow. yeah. Rare earths, top top of, they're going right to the top yeah. of my mind. They're zooming ahead of, of the class but but previously they were like somewhere behind ferns and uh you know i don't know they, they, they weren't exactly the main thing i was thinking about but okay, now but now they're boom right fr- up there front and center well, number one the more you know yeah da, 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 da. oh do you think that's a trademark uh thing uh, it's ah, fine it's fine yeah, yeah. all right anyway thanks for joining us for this week's knock on effect yeah uh, we have a new episode up every thursday under real vision presents and and by the way if you have any questions, comments, suggestions for future knock-on effects, uh, oh. feel free to write to us at podcast at realvision.com. Unfortunately, Alex is going to get all those ideas before I get them. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah if you want to get them to me, send them to justine at realvision.com. <laughs> yes, and if you want to uh, visit me, my address is uh, 344... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you hogging all the uh, great uh, ideas for knock-on effect. So you just pick who you want to send it to and let us know. Anyway, we hope to see you guys, or I hope you guys listen next week. We'll be out with a new episode every Thursday. Yes, we will. See you later. Cool. Bye-bye. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.